This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Now, the half hour, I'm looking forward to sharing a very funny episode of Duffy's Tavern. The show is entitled Archie's A Christmas Crank. And I think you'll really get a kick out of this seasonal show. But first, we begin with the dark side of life when we revisit 1953. And a time when one of those popular shows on radio was Escape. And tonight's program is called The Derelict. Tired of the everyday grind? Ever dream of a life of romantic adventure? Want to get away from it all? We offer you Escape. Escape, transcribed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. You are aboard a dead ship, drifting aimlessly in the endless reaches of the Indian Ocean, while the three men who are your companions, unaware of your innermost thoughts, are making their own plans for the division of treasure, which, because you are a woman, can mean life or death for you all. Listen now as Escape brings you Larry Roman's unusual story... The Derelict. I'm rich now. Good-looking, too. A lot of guys have said so. 29, and that's on the square. Dark eyes, dark hair, and I've been a dancer all my life, so you can figure out for yourself how I'm built. I'm not telling you this out of conceit or anything. I just want you to know what you'd have if you had me. And you can have me, any one of you. All you gotta do is come out and get me. A weeks ago, I climbed aboard the freighter Capricorn out of Singapore for Suez with a load of porcelain and six passengers. I had a job waiting for me in Cairo, but I took a ship instead of a plane. One for the dough. Two, because I was in no hurry to start working. The honest truth was my feet were giving me fits. 
Four days out in the Indian Ocean, a monsoon started up and the Capricorn just busted to pieces on the reefs. I don't know how long I floated around hanging onto some wood till they hauled me into a lifeboat. All right now, easy with her. Gently, gently. Do not bruise her on the side. Ah, there we go. <laughs> Clear off that canvas. Lua, set you down. Uh, uh, I'm all right. Certainly you are. Uh, here, throw this jacket around you. I'm okay. No kidding. The jacket. <laughs> Thanks. And clamp your legs under the seat. Okay, we're just going to have to ride her out. You all right? Sure. You're not sick anymore? All done. Kind of silly, wasn't it? Like a kid. No, not so silly. Uh, may I uh, do something for you, my dear? No, thanks. I'm really okay. Uh, Keatman. Henry Van Keatman's my name. It was my cargo of porcelain on the ship. I'm uh, Mark Bowman. Cora Moore. Hello. Uh, this is Lou Waugh, or is it Waugh Lou? My name is Lou Waugh. Uh, Chinese, part of the crew. Well, some predicaments, huh? Others all drown, I suppose. Or adrift, like us? No drown, I think. We were the lucky ones. Some are, some aren't. Well, spirits up, everybody. Look, we have water for a few days, so that is fine. Sure. Well, people do not get lost at sea these days, not with airplanes and so much ocean travel. All right. We'll set up watches and take turns trying to catch fish. Fish? Uh, who can think of food now? There's always later. You take the first watch, Keatman. Lou and I will... Are you setting yourself up as captain, Mike? I hadn't thought of it that way. I want to be captain. I've always wanted to run a ship. Well, I don't care who's captain, but someone's got to watch and someone's got to fish. Very well. We all got jobs to do. La will you fish. Mike will watch. I shall tend to the water, portion out the proper amounts and quarter, my dear. You shall sit there and and be womanly. The water sits in the middle so everyone can see it. Cora helps out like everyone else. Well, sure, Mike. Just tell me what you want. Settle, Mr. Keatman. Settle, Captain Borman. I got a long look at them. Keatman, big around the middle and chest... White, shiny face, powerful arms. Mike, middle size, not bad looking, with clear blue eyes. Kind of girl ought to have. Lua, small, good at catching fish. So there we were. Three men and me in a tub, bobbing around the Indian Ocean. Drifting. Then on the afternoon of the second day... Oh, look at Look at You see? You ah. see? A ship! Coming right for us, Mike. Look at it. I told you, I told you it would be found. Hello! Hello! Save your breath. It's miles old. Oh, we rowed to it. The oars. Walu, the oars. Mike, the oars. Quick, come on. Pull!
It was dusk by the time we got aboard. She was a three-masted sailing ship. All her lifeboats were gone and junk was all over her deck. Seaweed and ocean stuff. So you knew she'd been under once. An old barkentine, Mike said. A ghost ship. Her deck cabins were caved in and she stank from rot. We looked her over. Then down in the captain's quarters we saw it. First a couple of human skeletons in a pile of junk that was once closed. Then a metal box near the skeletons, open. And in it were bricks of greenish-yellow stuff. Mike knew right off what it was. Gold. Gold? Impossible, it cannot be. That's gold, all right. I've seen gold before. Well, sure it is. Oh, God, it is. Feel it. Hold on. 20, 30 pounds of brick. Why, that's a fortune. No kidding? How much? I don't know, but a fortune easily a great amount. Easily. Shut the box, Keatman. The, the salvage laws, it's ours. If we bring it in. We will. We've got another problem, Ted. I tell you, you do not get lost at sea these days. This is 1953. You do not get lost at sea in 1953. No. Shut the box. It won't swim off. What? Shut it. Who are you to tell me what to oh, do? Oh, stop it, you two. Squabble, squabble like a couple of chorus girls. Oh, sorry. I apologize. All right. Now let's check the galley. We ought to figure out a way to start a fire. What about the the skeletons? What about them? You should get them overboard. I do not like to share the ship with them. You do what you want. You you throw them overboard, Mike, if you don't mind. I wouldn't care to touch them. Other things come first. Uh, That is right. And, and, And before we do anything, don't you think we should have an understanding? About what? The gold. What's there to understand? There are four of us. We bring it in, it's split four ways. Four ways, yeah. Then I have a right. Now you go to the galley, Mike. I will stay here. I want to count the gold. All right. Come on, Corey. No, I'll stay down here if you don't mind. I'd like to know how much there is, too. Honest to Pete, I don't know why I said it. I wasn't thinking it. It just came out. Well, it rained that night, and we collected a lot of clean, fresh water. Next day, it was real sunny and warm. We cleaned the ship up a bit. All of a sudden, I got to feeling how funny things were. Adrift at sea on a ghost ship. But we had food, water, sun. At times, it was almost like a pleasure cruise. Good morning. Morning. Sleep well? Not too good. Of course, the place you fixed up for me was real nice, but... Well, I kept thinking about things. Cora Moore from San Diego with a jackpot. You know, you don't seem too happy about it. Yeah? First problems first. We'll get found. Keatman's right. You don't get lost at sea these days. Ship is bound to cross us. Isn't it? Sure. So then we'll all be rich and happy. You still don't feel good about it. I, uh, I remember once when I was a kid. I reached for a pot in a dice game. My winning was fair. I got the back of my hand ripped open with a knife. I never got the winnings. I see. Counting your chickens. That's it. Oh, everybody does that. Look at me. I was going to be a ballet dancer. I was a ballet dancer. In my mind, I mean. Pirouettes and all that. Who knew I was going to end up a fan dancer? (laughs) 
But that's not so bad. No? Oh, well. What are you going to do with your share of the gold? I mean, if we bring it in. Go back to Australia? Get a ranch? Sheep. Sounds like work. You won't have to work. You'll have enough. I don't mind. Good morning! Morning. Hi. Fine this morning. Where's Walu? Lou Wa is making breakfast. <laughs> this morning I would like fish for breakfast. Have him make fish. <laughs> I feel good. I slept well. I always knew the rich slept well, no matter what they tried to tell you. Yeah. Oh, I see the skeletons are gone, Mike. I tossed them overside last night. Oh, thank you, Mike. Luwa found a barrel of nails. We're going to board up some cabin holes after we eat. You'll help? Certainly. I'll see you later, Cora. <laughs> Surly fellow. Well, you look lovely this morning, my dear. A fresh look. The sea air, yeah. You are a beautiful girl. Sure. I'll get better looking to you the longer we're at sea. <laughs> Cora, my dear, I've been doing some calculations in regard to our wealth. If the bars weigh 20 pounds apiece, and since there are 100 of them, we have 20 by 12 by 100 by 35, the value of gold per ounce. In dollars, 840,000. Hmm? Buy a lot of meat and potatoes. Ah, filet mignon, pheasant, pompano, amandine. What's that? Ah, uh, something very delicious. Now, suppose the bar weighs 25 pounds. One million dollars. A million bucks? If the gold is sold at Macau, where the market is free, say, $50 an ounce, one million five hundred thousand. Oh, it keeps getting bigger. Matter of multiplication. Multiplication is a wonderful thing. It makes everything grow. Uh-huh. Division, however, is not so wonderful. What do you mean? Well, take a large, satisfactory number and divide, say, by four. What are you left with? A small, unsatisfactory number. Do you follow me? No. <laughs> Mull it to yourself, my dear. I, I'm sure it will come to you. Sure, I knew what he was getting at, but I wasn't letting on. Sometimes it pays to play dumb. Well, the day went on as usual, our ship drifting and us not seeing anything but the water and sky. And then that night, laying in my bunk, suddenly began to think of something. I don't know why... There I was, all of a sudden, thinking about Keatman. And those ideas of his on multiplication and division. It just jolted me out of my bed. I ran out on deck. Mike came from one way, Keatman from the other, and we met at the railing. Lua! Lua, where are you? No need to shout more. Look. A few feet from us, the railing was all ripped away. We knew right off. Lua was overboard. We could see the fin of a great shark cut the dark water and disappear. You should not have leaned against the railing. The wood is rotten. What makes you think he leaned? The ship's tossing then. It, it threw him against the side. Lua was a sailor. 
It's a calm sea. He could keep his feet in this ocean. I don't understand you, Mike. How else could they have gone overboard? There are ways. I can't imagine. Look, do we have to stand around talking about it? Oh, of course not, my dear. Accidents do happen. There's no point. Kateman, you watch your step. Oh, what could you mean by that, Mike? Just watch your step, that's all. I don't know what happened to Lua, but you just watch your step. As you say, Captain Borman. Come on, Coy. I'll walk you back to your cabin. Mike walked me back. I had my chance to do some talking, to tell him about the conversation I'd had with Keatman, about multiplication and division. I should have told Mike. I know it. But somehow the words just wouldn't come out. I don't know why. Mike left me. I asked him to, and I tried to get some sleep. No luck. I kept thinking about poor Lua and also something else. I don't really know why I thought about it, but the fact is I did. Without me doing anything, I just got Richard. Laura? Hmm? Are you asleep? May I come in? Well, I... Just for a few moments, my dear. I want to talk to you. All right. Just a sec. It's real late. Oh, just a little while. The thing is, I do not get to see you enough alone. Oh, Cora. Now, wait a minute. Oh, it's all right. Mike is asleep. He will not hear. Hands off, mister. That's all. Oh, have I made a mistake? I thought you had some feeling for me. Well, it... It just that... Are you sure Russia girl? Oh, I see. I'm sorry. Why don't you go now, Keatman? Oh, no, Henry. Why don't you go, Henry? I, uh... I feel kind of upset tonight. You know what I mean. Lua and everything. Yeah, yeah, all right, my dear. You're not mad? Oh, no, no. There'll be, uh... Other times. Oh, yes, of course, other times. Cora, hmm? when we are safe on land and rich, we will go someplace, you and I, Italy, perhaps, or the south of France. Cora, one million and a half divided by three is a large number. That should mean a lot to you. Yeah, I have to admit. I've been thinking about it. One million and a half divided by two should mean even more. found Mike at the ship's bow, looking out at the sea. I remember saying to myself, he looked kind of good to me. Funny how a guy can look one way to you at one time, then at another looks so very different. Oh, hello. What do you see? Ah, uh, the usual. Nothing. Ah, oh, it's not so bad. Still got fish and water. It's only the third day. Guys were adrift during the war for weeks. They got saved. Sure. They had it worse than us. Mind if I uh, sit here with you? No, of course not. You seen Keatman? Uh-uh. But low, I guess, counting. Yeah. He sure has gone off on that gold. You know, I've been thinking. About what? Those 
skeletons we found. You wonder who they are? Who they were? Mm-hmm. A little. You think they were part of the crew or, uh, come on later like us? Well, it looks to me like the whole crew abandoned ship. No, I'd say those two came on later. That's after the ship came up from the bottom. And they found the gold, huh? Just like us? Uh-huh. I wondered what happened then. Mm. It sure smells good up here. Huh. It's about the only place aboard you don't smell the ship's rot. Maybe I should have been a sailor instead of a dancer. A lot of good outdoors. Ranching gets you outside, too. Yeah. Bet Australia's just loaded down with fresh air. What about sheep, huh? What about them? They smell? <laughs> sheep aren't so bad. Maybe I ought to use my share of the gold to buy a ranch next to yours. We could be neighbors and get together to talk about hard times. All this, I mean. Um, Cora. Hmm? Cora, I... I don't know. I can't quite tell whether it's because of the mess we're in or... Well, I, I suppose it might be different on land when we're safe, but... What are you trying to say, Mike? Oh, nothing. You forget it, Cora. Sure. All right. Mike. Huh? Keatman came into my cabin last night. He did? I thought there was going to be trouble. When I let Cora... No, it's all right. The only thing is... Well, I think you better watch yourself. Uh, what do you mean? Well, it, it's what he said to me. He said him and me could split the gold in two. Yeah. I just thought I ought to tell you. Thanks. There's a knife in the galley. I don't want to suggest anything, but... Nobody's going to blame you if you moved first. I don't know why I said it the way I said it. I didn't mean to say it that way. It just sort of came out. Funny how you do things sometimes. For no real reason, I mean. Well, the third day went by and we just kept drifting and drifting. Nothing to look at but ocean and sky. Then toward late afternoon, we saw something. Just a speck in the sky, but then it came closer and closer. A plane. One of those big floor-engine passenger jobs. Hey! Hey, down here! Down here! Hey! Keatman waved his shirt and screamed to beat the band. The plane saw us, dipped its wings, and then took off again. We knew it would send a ship and that we'd soon be saved. That night in the galley, we sat down for what we hoped would be our last meal on the derelict. Fish. Have some delicious fish. Thank you. I don't want any more. What, huh? Uh-uh. I don't feel much like eating. <laughs> water, then. Have a big drink of water. No, I don't want any. Watch out. You're spilling it. Oh, who needs it anymore? I told you we'd be found. This is 1953. The ship will come to us tomorrow, I bet. All right. And we'll celebrate tomorrow. You put the water down. We've still got tonight. Tonight? Yeah, tonight. Keepman shut up then, and a few minutes later left the galley. Then Mike went out too. That's when I noticed that the galley knife wasn't there anymore. The sea got kind of choppy that night, and I was sure restless. Wind started acting up, began to rain. Looked like a storm was building. Ah! 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 Then 
I heard the scream. I ran out along the wet deck and stood outside the hold, looking down into the blackness. I couldn't see, but I knew what it was. Mike and Keatman. And only one was going to come up. Only one. got the knife in him before he knew what happened. Mike. Done. We divide by two, my love, by two as it should be. I got to get into my cabin. I'm getting all wet. No, no, wait. Hey, Cora. Yeah? The ship will come to us today, to us, to you and me. The million and a half is ours. I know, Henry. South of France, or would you rather Italy... Whatever you want, Henry. Anything? Yeah. Oh, Cora. Cora, my love. Oh, Oh, Cora! Cora! I don't know why I did it. Honest to Pete, I wasn't thinking about it. I just did it all of a sudden. I gave him a shove and he went right over the side. I could see him in water just for a second. His face whiter than ever and his eyes bugging out. And then he was gone. The storm lasted for days. Three, four. I don't remember now. And it tossed the ship I don't know how many which ways. Then the sky cleared up. Sun got all warm again. Been this way a couple of days now. Well, I haven't seen the rescue ship. Water's gone. Fish, too. And I'm alone. But like I say, I'm rich. I'm still good looking. Any of you can have me, me and gold. All you gotta do is come out and get me. But please, please come quick. Under the direction of Anthony Ellis, Escape has brought you The Derelict, adapted by Larry Roman from a story by Victor Schwartz and starring Charlotte Lawrence as Cora. Featured in the cast were Joseph Kearns as Keatman, Ben Wright as Mike, and Charlie Long as Lou Waugh. The special music for Escape is composed and conducted by Leith Stevens. Next week. You are standing guard deep in the forests of Africa while around you Closing in on you are the dreaded Malmo, who, if you relax your guard, will kill you. So listen next week when Escape brings you John Daner's terrifying story, Lily and the Colonel. <laughs> Thank you.
coming Tuesday night, mystery fans will want to stop, listen, and thrill to Mr. and Mrs. North looking for trouble on CBS Radio. And to John Lund as yours truly, Johnny Dollar, probing the San Antonio matter. The Norths collide with homicide and come close to grief themselves. Johnny Dollar comes close to falling in love, closer still to trouble in San Antonio. Remember, they're both this coming Tuesday night on most of these same CBS radio stations. Mr. and Mrs. North and yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Don't miss them. This is Roy Rowan speaking. And remember, you're invited to Art Linkletter's house party every weekday on the CBS Radio Network. Stay tuned for Duffy's Tavern next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Ed Gardner to grab that bar towel, wipe down the bar at Duffy's Tavern, and begin to serve the odd assortment of odd patrons. This episode is entitled, Archie's a Christmas Crank. It's Wednesday night, so we take you now to Duffy's Tavern, starring Archie himself, Ed Gardner. The program you're about to hear is brought to you with a wish. A wish from Bristol Myers that your Christmas may be merry and that the new year for all of us be a happy and a peaceful one. Hello, Duffy's Tavern. Where do you late meet Dee Archie the Man's speaking? Duffy ain't here. Hello, Duffy. Huh? Look, please don't give me that Merry Christmas stuff. I sound like I got up on the wrong side of the floor this morning. Look, Duffy, I had one eggnog. Just happened that I hit some bad nutmeg. (laughs) Well, if you want to know, I'm a little sore about your gratuity for Christmas. That lousy Christmas card. A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. P.S. After you read this, get back to work. (laughs) Fine sentiment this time of the year. Well, after nine years, I thought maybe I might get some little present. Some little luxury, some little thing I wouldn't think of getting for myself. Like money. (laughs) Huh? Look, Duffy, someday you're going to leave this veil of tears. You're going to leave it with your pockets bulging with bills, but I'm warning you. Where you're going, you're going to find that paper money ain't going to last long. (laughs) I leave you with that thought for today. Christmas. Seven days a week, 18 hours a day. I work my grindstone to the nose. <laughs> what do I get? Nothing but gratitude. And very little of that. Merry Christmas, Miss Arthur. What's so merry about it, Eddie? Starvation wages, no dough to buy nothing. Oh, you got a little dough. Yeah, but how far will it take me with the present prices of economics? <laughs> the landlady sends me a notice. From the first of the year on, your apartment will be $9 a month. $9 for four lousy rooms. Uh, does that include bath? Who knows? Now, to get the cedar place the way I have to work around here, but does Duffy care? 
Well, don't let it get you, Mr. Arthur. You see, this is the time of the year to forget your trouble. Yeah. Christmas is the time when you should be thinking about helping other people out. Helping other people, huh? When Gorilla Hogan got drunk and nasty here last night and started picking on me, did you help me out? Well, I couldn't, see. I was back in the kitchen cooking. What takes a half an hour to cook? With Gorilla Hogan drunk and nasty, a couple of three-minute eggs. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. When I'm in a fight and I need help, you disappear. Yeah, but you always bragging about what a wonderful fighter you are. You certainly picked the funniest times to start believing me. <laughs> yeah, give me that Merry Christmas. Uh, Merry Christmas, boys. Merry Christmas, Miss Duff. Archie, I said Merry Christmas. Are you kidding? What have I got to be merry about working for that cheapskate old man of yours? Archie, you just don't know Papa. He really isn't cheap. No, that's right. Once, in an outburst of generosity, he gave away his toenail clippings. <laughs> what about the time he took your old lady on their honeymoon? Where did they go? Niagara Falls. That's what he told everybody, Niagara Falls. But what he really did, they stayed home and your old man let the water run in the bathtub while he showed your mother a box of shredded wheat. <laughs> Keep the guy is. Just a minute. Hello? Oh, just a second. It's your girlfriend, Vera Fogarty. Oh, oh, thanks. Uh, hello, Vera. How did you do with Santa Claus? Okay, but no presents, huh? <laughs> well, you, you just can't have everything, Vera. What's on your mind? A dance? Where? At the Y? M or W? <laughs> the YW, huh? Well, okay, Vera, I'll go. But this time, you've got to lead. <laughs> All right. Okay, I'll meet you at Chimelbacher's. Well, so long, everybody. I got a heavy date. Uh, what are you going to do tonight, Archie? Me? I think I'll just spend a quiet evening standing around disappointing pickpockets. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Thanks, Jack. A Merry Christmas to you. Oh, hello, Finnegan. Uh, ain't you gonna wish me a Merry Christmas? Yeah, Merry Christmas. Did you hang up your stocking? Oh, no. I hung up my stocking last year and it was a bum idea. A bum idea? Yeah, the blood kept rushing to me head. <laughs> Was, did you get any presents for Christmas? Oh, a few things, George. My mother gave me some building blocks. Monogrammed, of course. <laughs> and uh, uh, my sister gave me a bottle of bubble bath. Bubble bath? Yeah, and is that stuff a fake? What do you mean a fake? I sat in a tub and took four drinks of it, and I couldn't even blow a single bubble. <laughs> Well, I just dropped in to say hello. Uh, I gotta run along, Arch. You gotta run along? Where you going? I'm going over to sing Christmas carols. Oh, yeah? Where? At Water McGuikes. Oh. Uh, you going over, Arch? No, I'm not. How come? Didn't invite me. Oh, oh. Uh, well, I'll be seeing you, Arch. Uh, you, you mean you ain't gonna spend Christmas with me like you usually do? Well, Arch, I thought you was going to McGuck's too, so I accepted. Uh, 
Hey, you ain't sorry, are you? No, no. Why should I be sore? Go ahead. Have a good time. Well, uh, Merry Christmas, George. Merry Christmas, Clifton. Fine Christmas. No bonus. Your friends walk out on you. The next guy that says Merry Christmas to me, I'm going to punch him right in the nose. Ah, what's the use? Eddie. Uh, Eddie, turn on the radio, will you? Maybe it'll snap me out of this mood. Okay. Christmas music. Take it off, will you? Get me something with some pep in it. Okay, I'll try another station. Eddie. Eddie, please, I asked you, didn't I? Well, Miss Archer, I don't think there's anything on the radio but Christmas music. Well, keep pushing them buttons. There must be something else on here. Yeah? Eddie, what are you trying to do? Drive me nuts? Look, look bad. I'm running out of buttons. <laughs> okay, forget about it. Well, I think we'd better lock up the place. It's getting late. Okay. I'll go clean up the kitchen. All right, do that. This Christmas music. I ain't got enough trouble at this time of the year. They got to put on music that makes them even sadder. Hello there, Archie. Huh? Hey, how did you get in here? Walked in. That's funny. I thought I just locked the door. It was closing up. Oh, and maybe I'd better leave. Listen, you said Archie. How did you know my name? Well, I've heard about you. Oh, well, I'm pretty well known around here. Will you have a little drink, bud? No, I don't think so. Go ahead, it's on the house. On the house? Sure, it's Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve, huh? Well, anyway, it's a day in December. Well, you have... Well, maybe I'll take a glass of water. Water here? <laughs> you kidding? Here, mister, we got some pretty good wine here. At least have a glass of wine, huh? Look, i never seen you around here before. How did you happen to come in here to the tavern? Oh, I was just walking around, saw the lights, thought I'd drop in. You, uh, you don't think much of Christmas, do you, Archie? Oh, you got me wrong. I love it. I wouldn't be without it. Good old Christmas. <laughs> Time of the year when after you work for a guy for nine years and knock your brains out, he says to you, Merry Christmas, Archie. The time when even your closest friend walks out on you. Well, maybe there's another side to Christmas. Oh, yeah? Like what? Well, like... Like the look on a kid's face when he sees what Santa Claus has left in his stocking. Uh-huh. Or like the feeling in a man's heart when his family's around him on Christmas Eve. You see, Christmas isn't a thing you can reach out and touch, Archie. It's a thing inside us. Look, bud, I can see you've been running around with a different class of people. Around this neighborhood, every guy is out for himself. Oh, I don't know. I think this neighborhood and the people are pretty much the same as most others. Oh, I know he's a stranger. Well, I, I could be wrong. Why don't you and I take a little walk? You mean you want to see for yourself? Mm-hmm. Maybe a little fresh air will do you good, Archie. Fresh air? Are you in foreign this joint as an incinerator? Well, no. Well, it is. Come on, let's go. Uh, hey, Eddie, keep an eye on the joint, will you? Listen to that, will you? Not only don't you only get it over the radio, you can't even walk along a public street with that belt net at you. 
I kind of like it. You like it? Huh? Everybody throw his own poison. Did you ever listen to the words of that tune? Did you? I should. I had to listen to them all day. All is calm. All is bright. How do you like that? The world is a mess. Everybody has his hand in the other guy's pocket, but don't make no difference to the guy that wrote that song. To him, all is bright. Well, maybe the guy that wrote that song was thinking about something in men's hearts. Something that shines a little brighter on a day like this. Didn't you ever sing Christmas carols, Archie? Oh, yeah. Christmas carols, you know, when I was a punk kid and I didn't know no better. But you have to grow up someday. Well, that's the trouble with a lot of us. Maybe we're not growing up. Maybe we're just losing track of things that matter. Like what? Oh, things like faith, tolerance, human kindness. That's nice. And where does one find them things? You don't find them, Archie. You give them. And it's a funny thing. The more you give, the more you have. Uh, say, why don't we drop in over there? Huh? Across the street. Across the street? That's a church. Yeah, I know. Why don't we drop in for a second? Into a church? Why not? But I, I would not know how to act. You uh, don't go to church, huh? Well, no, I'm not rapping it, you know. It's just that there's two types of guys when it comes to going to church. There's them that doesn't, them that don't. <laughs> I happen to be the type that don't. Well, now, why don't you just drop in with me for a second? Hmm? Well, I guess if I go with somebody else, it won't count against me. Uh, funny thing, though, you know, to take a look at you, I wouldn't figure that you was the religious type. No? No, but that's what I say. You never can tell about people. Okay, leave us go in. Nice in here, isn't it? Yeah, but it's kind of quiet. Well, I guess this is one of the few places left where you can find peace and quiet. That's what I can't understand. People just come in here and... They sit. They, they just sit. They don't do nothing. Oh, yes, they do. They pray, meditate. Some of them even come in here to keep warm. Couldn't they do that just as well at home? Maybe some of them don't have a home. You see? That's what I'm trying to tell you. It's a pretty tough world. But it'd be tougher if they didn't have a place like this to come to. Didn't you ever pray, Archie? Oh, sure, when I was a kid. What was that prayer again? They learned us, uh... Off on a what in heaven, hollow bit I'd named, I, I did. Well, you know the thing I mean. But look, mister, please. Please, leave us, leave us get out of here and begin to get the heebie-jeebies. All right. All right. Look, just a second, bud. What, what are you doing? Well, the sign says help the poor, don't it? I thought you believed in everybody helping themselves. Well, I do, but... Tonight, maybe I'm a little superstitious. Or maybe it's just because it's Christmas. Look, mister, please, don't start with that peace on it stuff, will you? I told you I'd take you around, show you the neighborhood and what it's really like now. Please, let's keep it that way. Just a minute, I want to pick up a paper. Paper? Yeah, that crippled kid there, nice kid, Jimmy Turner. Crippled, huh? Yeah, he ain't walked in years, but he's always got a smile for everybody, and I like to help him out once in a while. Jimmy. Hello, Archie. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, kid. Well, Jimmy, it's a little tough not being able to walk, isn't it? Oh, uh, I ain't kicking. I can yell. That's all I need for this racket. 
Why'd you get the Christmas, Timmy? Nothing much. But it's okay. I got my Christmas present last summer. Last summer? Yeah. One of me customers took me up to the Yankee Stadium to see the Yanks play. You like the Yanks, Jimmy? Like them. Did you ever see that DiMaggio play ball? Uh, give me a paper, son. Okay, mister. Here you are. Latest edition. Thanks, kid. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, mister. You were talking about Joe DiMaggio, Jimmy. Oh, boy. What a ball player. That DiMaggio's the greatest outfield in the world. And the way that guy can pull him. Jimmy, do you know who that was who bought the paper just now? Who? That was Joe DiMaggio. You're kidding. No, no, look at him. He just stopped there by that streetlight. Joe DiMaggio? You mean Joe bought a paper from me and I didn't even recognize him? Wait a minute. Maybe I can get him to come back. Hey, DiMaggio. Hey, DiMaggio. Hey, you. You calling me? Yes. You know, you've got quite an admirer in that crippled newsboy over there. Me? Yeah. Now, now look. You're Joe DiMaggio. And if that kid could shake hands with you, it'd be the best Christmas present he ever got. Would you do it? Of course I will. Be glad to. Come on, let's go over to him. No, just a minute. Let him walk over to you. But, but mister, I told you, the kid can't walk. Well, let's find out, Archie. <clears throat> oh, Jimmy. Joe DiMaggio wants to shake hands with you. Yeah, come on, Jimmy. Come on over and shake hands. But, gee, Joe, don't you see? I can't. I... Come on, Jimmy. Joe. Joe, I'm walking. Dimash. You see what I'm doing, Dimash? I'm walking. <laughs> I can't understand it. It's positively incredible. What's the matter? That kid back there. I seen him sitting on that corner like that for the past six years, and tonight the kid is walking. Maybe he could have walked all the time. No. No, he couldn't. You did it. You did it by, by telling him that was Joe DiMaggio. It was. Now, look, you can fool a kid, but don't try to fool me. It, it couldn't have been DiMaggio. No? Certainly not. I just read in the papers this morning DiMaggio was spending Christmas with his family in San Francisco. Hey, look, this, this thing is getting a little weird. Nice town, San Francisco. Huh? Oh. Well, I ain't never been that far west. Uh, San Francisco, your hometown? No, no. Uh, where are you from? I'm from the east. The east? Uh, what town? A small town called Bethlehem. Bethlehem, huh? Hey, you know anybody in Allentown? <laughs> I might. A guy by the name of Lou Grant? Lou Grant. Uh, does he run a bar and grill on Front Street? Yeah, that's the guy. Well, you should get around, don't you? What are you, one of them traveling salesmen or something? Well, I guess you might call me that. Well, say, what's the excitement? What's the crowd doing in front of that hotel? Where? Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, lady. Lady, what's going on here? That man, that man up there on the ledge. Where? Up there on the window ledge of the hotel. He says he's going to jump at midnight. Why? I don't know. I guess he's crazy. He says he never wants to see another Christmas. Well, as far as I'm concerned, you can hardly blame the guy. Wait. There goes the chimes. Must be quarter to twelve. Let me check my watch here. Yeah. The guy's got exactly 15 minutes before he jumps. Let's stick around. Are you sure of the time? Well, certainly. I always set me watch by them chimes. Well, how long has he been up there? Oh, for hours. The police have been trying to find his wife. His wife? Yes. They think maybe if they found her, she could talk him out of it. Come on, Archie. Where are you going? I'd like to talk to that fellow. 
Are you crazy? They ain't gonna let you in that hotel. Look at the cops guarding the doorway. Besides, you can't do nothing with a guy like that. He's nuts. I'd like to talk to him anyway. Okay, have it your way. We'll tell the cops we live in a hotel. But uh, I better go along with you. Hey, wait a minute, you. Where do you think you're going? We live here. Uh, me and me friend here was just going up to our suite. You and what friend? That guy there. That guy that just walked in. Nobody walked in this hotel, bud. And nobody's going to walk in. Okay, so nobody walked in. What am I going to do, argue with you? I'm telling you, I just come in with the guy. Look, son, why don't you go home and sleep it off? Listen, you, don't come near and try to grab me. If you do, I'll jump. I'm not going to grab you. I just came to talk to you. To see if maybe I could change your mind. It's too late to change my mind. As soon as those chimes ring, I'm jumping. I'm not afraid to die. Maybe you're afraid to live. A lot of people are. What have I got to live for? Well, what have any of us got to live for? Look at those people down there on the street, hundreds of them, waiting for a ray of hope, a sign of courage in this frightened world. What you're doing might extinguish the last spark of faith in many of their tired hearts. Their tired hearts. At least their wives are with them at Christmas. Come on, chimes, ring. Ring! Let's get it over with. Your wife means a lot to you, doesn't she? If she didn't, do you think I'd be up here? I haven't had one peaceful moment since she left me. Why did she leave you? Because I was a fool. Because I... But it's too late to think of that. Oh, why don't those chimes ring out and get it over with? What's slowing them up? Nothing's slowing them up. It's just that in these last moments, the seconds seem like years. Paul? Paul? Anne? Yes, darling, it's me. Oh, Anne. Oh. Thank God, thank God you've come back. My darling. Those chimes. I was going to jump when I heard that. Yes, I know. I know. I was afraid I was too late. Thank God I got here in time. Hello, Archie. Glad I found you again. Hey, it's you. How did you do it, mister? How'd you stop that guy from jumping? Just talked to him till his wife came. She just got there in time. Yeah. Funny how she just got there in time, wasn't it? What do you mean? Well, it happens I was looking at me watch, timing it out to see when the guy was going to jump. So? Them chimes rang four minutes late. Maybe your watch is slow. Oh, no, it ain't. Remember, I checked it with the chimes a little while ago, and them bells has never been wrong. Well, come on. Leave us get out of here. I'm getting back to the tavern. This is a little too spooky for me. Okay, we'll, we'll take a cab. There, there's an empty one. Where to, fellas? We want to go to Duffy's Tavern, quick. Okay. Uh, how about a little music? Wait a minute. There it is. Driver, please. Take that thing off of there, will you? Get something else. Okay, okay. Oh, what's the use? Leave it on there. Uh, look. Mister. Yeah? You know something? You stay pretty calm considering all the crazy things that have been happening tonight. It's a little weird. First the newsboy. 
Then the guy on the window ledge. Well, we all have our troubles, Archie. We all get off the track once in a while. We just need something bigger than ourselves to steer us straight. You mean something like religion? Call it that. Call it human kindness, tolerance, understanding. Begin to see what you mean. Hey, driver, watch out for that guy. Look, don't worry, taxi, it wasn't your fault. The guy walked right out in front of you. Yeah, yeah, did, did you see him, mister? He walked right out in front of me. Well, let's see how badly he's hurt. Hey, we better call a cop. Hey, here comes a cop now. All right, all right, stand back, give the poor devil a chance. Now, what happened here? Well, the guy walked right out in front of the cab. Yeah, the driver's right, officer. It wasn't a taxi's fault. We was riding along, and all of a sudden, this guy stepped right out in front of the cab. Like he was blind. Hey, wait a minute. He is a blind man. There's this cane there. Here, maybe I can help him. Wait a minute, you take your hands off him. It's against the law. Wait till the ambulance gets here. Against the law to help someone? You heard me. You never know when you're doing them more harm than good. All right, officer, just as you say. Hey. Hey, wait a minute. Look. The guy's getting up. What? What hit me? The crowd and the noise. I was all confused. Tell me, what? Oh, wait. Wait a minute. Lights and faces. I can see. I can see. Easy now, mister. You better not try to get up. I'm all right, I tell you. And I can see. For the first time since Okinawa, I can see. Uh, I didn't mean to hit you, bud. Didn't mean to hit him. You've done him a favor. The guy says he can see. Hey, the, the shock must have given back his sight. No. No, it wasn't that. Someone touched me. I felt a cool hand. And the minute he touched me, I was all right. Where is he? Where is he? Come on, Archie, let's go. We've done all we can. Well, it certainly is good to be back in a tavern again. I think we'd better have a little drink, though. Uh, you want to finish your wine, bud? No, thanks. Yeah, you know something? I'm, I'm all mixed up. Mixed up? Yeah, about this Christmas stuff. Well, you see, Archie, as I said, Christmas isn't just a date on a calendar. Or a wreath in a window or a song. It's something in men's hearts. They can let it die or keep it in their hearts the year round. 365 days of Christmas. You know, it's a funny thing. If you'd said that to me a little while ago, I'd have laughed in your face. But now I don't know. I don't know. But wait a second. I'd, I'd like to turn on the radio a minute. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> drove me nuts. Now, all of a sudden, I got a feeling I'd kind of like to hear it again. Mr. Archie. Mr. Archie. Mr. Archie. Huh? Uh, what is it, Eddie? I finally got you some dance music on the radio. Eddie, I don't want no dance music. Turn it off, will you? I wish you'd make up your mind. Uh, look, mister, 
Until you walked in here today, I... Hey, Eddie. Eddie, what happened to that guy I was talking to? Well, nobody talking to you. You're nuts. He was standing here at the bar. He came in with me. Mr. Archer, please, there's nobody here. No? Maybe it was all... Eddie, you, you sure that there was nobody here? No. Must have been seeing things. Maybe you're right. But I... Wait a minute. This glass of wine here. The glass is half empty. What? Nothing, Eddie, nothing. Just leave me alone for a little while, will you? Huh? Okay. Good night, Miss Archer. Good night, Eddie. Eddie? Yeah? Merry Christmas. Oh, thanks, Miss Archer. Merry Christmas to you, sir. Good night. Good night. Christmas. Hmm. Our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Good wish for a very merry, a very happy Christmas. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Hop Along Cassidy, followed by Honest Herald. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.